You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central show is brought to you by Sucklebusters. You can find them at sucklebusters.com. Also by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at the BBQ guru.com or call them 800-288-GURU and by the CHOPS Power Injector System the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA find them at barbecuekansascity.com and by Butcher Barbecue from injections to rubs to sauces always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com and by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills. Visit them at PelletCooker.com or CookShack.com or call them 800-423-0698. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash to be won. Find out more at kcbs.us slash samstour. And by Cookin' Pellets, you can buy Cookin' Pellets at cookinpellets.com. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at greenmountaingrills.com. And by iGrill. The Bluetooth grilling thermometer that allows you to monitor temperatures from 150 feet away. Use promo code CENTRAL for 15% off your purchase at iDevicesInc.com. Hello, everybody. This is Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV. And this is BBQ Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. You want to jump in on the show tonight? More than happy to have you do it. A phone call gets you in, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show, of course, can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening on the show tonight in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, he is your uh, lock and loaded third Tuesday of the month multiple-time author, a cooking class instructor, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, and friend of this show, Stephen Reichlin, joins us. 
plenty to talk about. 9.35, we get down deep into the heart of Texas for a 2015 recap of competitions and or otherwise barbecue events with the official Texas embedded barbecue reporter for the Barbecue Central show, Doug Scheiding, who happens to be a iGrill 2 winner last week. Then we move to the second hour in a continued pit builder interview segment. I score an interview tonight with uh, somebody that if you are not familiar with his pit, and I know I, I maybe I say it too much too frequently to kind of make the value of the statement not as much. But this guy's got something innovative when it comes to wood-burning pits, and we're going to talk to him in depth about it and put it up for your consideration as well if you're going to be looking to buy pits at some point either by the end of the year or at some point 2016. Bill Carew with Carew BQ joins us on the show. Carew BQ. Nice. And then at 10.35, this past weekend saw what is evidently one of the most coveted barbecue competitions to get invited to because it is invitation only. He won it, and to recap the win and the weekend, the victor of King of the Smokers, Little Pig Town, Pitmaster Scott Key joins us on the show. Wow. Holy mackerel. That's a big show. Steve Reichland, Doug Scheiding, Bill Carew, Scott Key, if you need him. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Uh, Facebook posts, tweets, all that stuff. Let everybody know the show's on the air, and I would certainly appreciate it. One of the other things here before we get into the first uh, take is I'm doing half the show for those that are watching on the video. Back, uh, I'm on standard... Heil Mike with uh, IFB in the ear so I can hear things. So I'm hoping, and then at the second hour, I'm going to switch over to the headset microphone. So I want your straight input on what you think sounds better. And in the end, if they both sound fine, then I might resort back to this look because I think on the video side, it, it has a tendency to look a little bit more appealing this way than it does with the big ear cans and the microphone going like I'm getting ready to call uh, an NFL football game or something along those lines. So uh, let me know as the show progresses what you think of the sound on the Heil. And then uh, in the second hour, we'll do the uh, Audio-Technica headset microphone just for comparison, and then we'll see how it goes from there. All right, so last week we were in the midst of playing Can a Freshman Say It? And lo and behold, the second caller who calls in is a guy who, if you are any fan of the show, if you're a historian of the show, he used to call way more frequently. I am, of course, talking none of then Dan, the infamous Dan from Wachula. Uh, many have speculated on uh, sexual preference. Many have speculated on if he is real or if he is not. Many have speculated on if he indeed lives in Wachula, Florida, or if he somehow made that up. I don't know. I can tell you this. His call last week was absolutely spectacular, and many people were hoping to get a replay of it. And who am I to disappoint? So sit back and relax and enjoy the majesty of Dan from Wachula as we close out the opening segment. Yo, hello, this is uh, Dan from Wachula. Oh, boy. 
Danny! Dan, uh, hold on. Let me stop the show here just for one second. Okay. Folks, for the people that are listening here, you are in for a treat. Can One of the most uh, infamous callers of the show, Dan from Wachula, has made it back in. And to play, uh, to play the game, Dan? Sure, but geez, you made my cheeks all red. <laughs> oh man! All right, Dan. Uh, <clears throat> do you uh, do you, do you know how the game is played? I, I of course I know how the game is played. All right. I mean the game I, we're playing I every Tuesday. Okay, so uh, I'm going to ask you questions. Uh, words that a freshman may or may not be able to say. So uh, here we go. Let's go to word number one, Dan. Remember, this is for a free eye grill, too. Okay. And here's the first word. Do you think a freshman in high school, Dan, can say federal, like federal government or federal agent? Federal, like federal cat or federal... Right, like federal. federal. Yes, I think I think a freshman could say federal. Federal. Okay, we'll lock you in on yes. And we'll go to the enunciation or pronunciation and see if the freshman can say federal. Give me federal. Federal. Uh-oh. No. All right, so we're uh, well, over. How can that be? Well, she said federal. It's federal. You got to say well, that's it. That's okay. It's just he's adding a syllable. I know, of course. But this is how the game is played. All right. Question number two, Dan. Oh, are, you re- <laughs> are you ready, Dan? All right. Here I'm, we- I'm ready. Uh, by the way, I yeah. like that wood look in the back. You like, you, Dan, do you like wood? I, I... No? Okay. Here's the next question, Dan. Or the next word. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, mm-hmm. Dilate. Like pupils. Dilate. Can a freshman say dilate? Yes. Okay. We will lock you in. And yes, let's go to the answer. And here, if the freshman can say dilate. Dilate. Uh-oh. Dan, 0 for 2. Okay, so can we bring Meathead back on? Because I like that part where he says the size of the meat doesn't make any difference. <laughs> Dan, are you ready for the third word? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan, you got to get this. Dan, you got to get this one right in order to keep moving on. Okay. Or as you would say, keep moving up. This isn't as much fun as I thought it would be. That's what she said. All right, uh, Dan. We're uh, 0 for 2. The next word is caucus. Can a freshman look at and say caucus? No. No. Better not. All right. No. You need this one to stay alive, Dan. We will go to the pronunciation. Show me caucus. Caucus? Oh, no. Dan, that's it. Dan, you have I any? thought she said it. I think she said it okay. Play it again. Caucus? That's exactly oh. what she said. Caucus. Oh, okay. Sorry. Dan, what do you have to say for yourself, Dan? 
Well, I have a lot I could say, but I, I, I would like to hear more about Meathead and his meat. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh-oh. Typically, he's uh, Dan is the caller that wants to, you know, get off something crazy or a, a double entendre or things of these natures. So I'm surprised I even had him on the line for that long. That's Dan from Wachula's call from last week that everybody was clamoring for again. Happy to do it. Happy holidays from Cook Shack, folks. That's right. They are so thankful for all their customers, vendors, dealers, distributors, employees, talk show hosts. They send a special wish to all the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show for a prosperous, happy, healthy, and tasty New Year. Cook Shack manufactures electric smokers, pellet-fired cookers, smoker ovens, pellet-fired charbroilers, and pellet grills. They also sell accessories, sauces, rubs, woods, pellets to use in the ovens and grills with a variety of sizes and styles. Cook Shack can fit the needs of any customer. They provide commercial and competition-grade cooking classes, online recipes, video cooking classrooms. Check out their website at cookshack.com and pelletcooker.com, their blog, and their social media groups on the Facebooks, the Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Instagrams, and LinkedIn. They also have a world-class barbecue form if you still use those. On to the competition circuit. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champs. Teams from coast to coast in Canada using smokers and pellet grills to get their winner's circles visits. The FEC 100 can handle all four meat categories with ease, while the Fast Eddies by Cook Shack PG 1000 and 500 are pellet grills that can smoke on the indirect side and grill on the direct side. Your purchase comes with Cook Shack's unconditional 30-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Use it as much as you want for 30 days. And if you don't like it, send it back. Send it back. Who else is giving you that? Nobody. Cook Shack is dedicated to the craft of smoking ovens for a genuine pit barbecue and wood smoke flavor. They continue to develop and improve their products day after day, month after month, year after year, with an inspiration of smoking made simple. They would love to share their passion for barbecue with you, so give them a call to talk about it. 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Again, you can visit the websites cookshack.com or pelletcooker.com and check out exactly what they have to offer. Great to partner all year with Cook Shack once again. Looking forward to 2016. So get a hold of them. Check them out. See what that gets you aside from happy. Worst case scenario, it gets you 30 days of unlimited cooking on the cooker. And then if you don't like it, you send it back. Nobody else is doing that in the industry. Cookshack.com is, though. Cookshack.com. All right, we're back with Stephen Reichlin right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. If you're looking for something medium size, they got you covered there too. How about something to take on those tailgates? Yeah, they can also supply you with pellets to fire those cookers. Check them out online at greenmountaingrills.com. That's greenmountaingrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours, too, if you visit the website to hook up, greenmountaingrills.com. All right, joining me now is a regular third Tuesday of the month guest, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, a TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time cookbook author. I'm telling you, what is this guy not doing? He's even showing up on this show once a month, for crying out loud. It's Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you uh, making the time as always. And, you know, a number of different places that we can, you know, start and, and talk to tonight, uh, points that we can talk on tonight, Stephen. Uh, not the least of which is obviously uh, Hanukkah has just passed, but we're getting into the uh, the Christmas uh, now last minutes, literally. So, you know, from a from a holiday gift-giving standpoint and, and somebody who has probably asked, what should I get my so-and-so pit husband or pit wife or whatever, because you're kind of in that business and I get it a lot. So you got to get it a lot. Like what are your top uh, tricks and top gifts and top recommendations of the year? A couple of weeks ago on barbecuebibles.com. Of course, first comes to mind some of the uh, utensils that I've designed and manufactured. Lumitongs, for example, uh, which have a light attached to the arm of the tongue, so you can see what you're doing at night. Uh, a rib rack, a beer can, chicken roaster, a plancha. I've been doing a lot of plancha grilling lately. Plancha, everybody, is uh, it's basically a slab of cast iron. You put it on the grill. And what's a really cool technique, and I know I stray from your question, but I always do that. Work on a charcoal grill, hot fire underneath of it, uh, Use the plancha for searing. It's great for seafood, great for steak. But then right at the end, toss wood chunks on the fire. Close the grill lid so you're both getting the plancha searing and wood smoke. Really awesome technique. So this would be something that would be, uh, is, is it akin to like a salt block uh, thing or, well, or how does that kind Not of really because a salt block doesn't get hot enough to really cook. This has fire directly underneath of it. So... Think about a cast iron, a big cast iron skillet with no uh, no sides. Um, by the way, I mean, plancha originated in Spain. In uh, Argentina, it's called a, a chapa. Uh, it's a very popular way of cooking. And, you know, I think for those of us who grill, have grilled and smoked for years and decades, kind of always looking for new techniques that harness the power of the flavor of live fire but give you new and different results. Anyway, back to... Uh, that gift, gift list, so electronics are always fun for people. Uh, uh, wireless thermometers like the Maverick. Uh, uh, air regulators like Barbecue Guru. Uh, um, and these are small items. And then if you want to sort of play off the um, coal in the stocking uh, riff, you know, uh, Give somebody binchotan charcoal. Now, binchotan is uh, the super premium charcoal from Japan uh, made of a super hard oak, very hot burning, very clean burning. 
uh, that'd be a fun thing for the holidays. Is it a, is that a hard one to get going because it's so dense? Yeah, it is. And I was on Japanese, uh, television, uh, one time, uh, in Tokyo and, you know, I brought my chimney starter and I started to light this stuff kind of, I allowed myself 20 minutes. So it takes about an hour to light. Wow. So happily, uh, I had a blowtorch in my bag of tricks and I was able to get it lit in time for the show. Steve, let me ask you, I'm going to diverge uh, myself this time since you diverged uh, a couple minutes ago. Uh, you have the, the line or the best of barbecue, uh, and forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, the, but the, the line of products that you yeah, create and, and bring yeah. to market. Mm-hmm. If you look at what's out there on the market, there seems to be varying levels of what I just call quality, right? There's uh, you know crappy tongs and crappy grill brushes, and then there's kind of middle of the road, but then there's ones that are kind of like you know the the uh, the call liquors or the top shelf liquors, if we're going to talk about it in, in bar terms that the central lights can understand. Where do you decide to to make the jump to go from like, uh, well, I don't want, I just, so some guys that would seem like they just want to get their name on something and push it out and however it gets out there or get out there. But you're not the type of guy that strikes me as somebody that just wants to, to stick your name on it because that kind of means something to you. So how do you go about making sure that the products that you're developing are holding up to, to your standards and, and getting made the way you want them to be made? Well, first of all, I design this stuff. It's not, I mean, I don't just stick my name on anything. The, uh, the grill brush, it's the longest grill brush on the market. And we switched our bristle configuration last year. Instead of bristles that are mounted in a wood block, uh, these are actually spun in a wire armature. So it's virtually impossible to get the bristles out. You know, there is a uh, much publicized and actually infinitesimal risk of a stray bristle winding up on your grill and in your food. But you know what? It actually did happen to me once. I did find a stray bristle uh, on the grill grate. So we switched the design of that. I mean, obviously, that's never going to be able to compete with us, you know, a five or six dollar plastic handled grill brush that you'd find in a big box store. That's not where I want to be. Um, our chimney starter, it's square, it's uh, the biggest one on the market. It has kind of this interesting pyramid shape in the center, which uh, helps with ignition. Um, you know, I'm, I, I can't compete with a mass market, uh, mass marketeer. Uh, so uh, I'd rather sell fewer, have them be better. I will want to say, though, because, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are thinking, gee, I'm going to invent a tool or a sauce and, uh, yeah. and bring it out and make, make a mint. So many of my products are, married, uh, are manufactured in China, and it is a constant struggle to maintain uh, quality in China. I would say that Chinese factories, uh, w- the default is always to take the cheap shortcut. So we do a lot of QC. We send a lot of stuff back, you know, at, ever vigilant. Is it just, I don't want to use the word impossible, but it's, it's just almost cost prohibitive to, to source and, and get stuff made here? Because you hear there's, there's a very small percentage, at least of people that I would have on this show, that go out of their way to tout it's all American and we're employing Americans and it's American-made steel and this and that and the other thing. And then I would say the overwhelming majority of people that are manufacturing whatever it is in the industry are doing something uh, in the Far East because in a business sense, it just makes the best business sense. Sure. They would love to keep it here. Right. But in the end, 
you keep it here and maybe it never gets to market or you make zero money and you're out of business in a week or whatever. So it's, it's kind of got to be a, a struggle. And as you said, you got to put in that work and, and the Q, the, the quality control and a lot of the other stuff, if you're going to be continuing to do business over there. Listen, I would love to manufacture in the United States. And of course, all of my best of barbecue rubs, all of my barbecue sauces, all of our wood products are manufactured in the United States. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you're in the high-end grill business, if you're making a Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo grill, for example, or you're making, you know, a super high-end uh, Yoder smoker, those can be built here because you can charge enough to, uh, to, to pay for the labor. And by the way, as prices go up in Asia, uh, I think you're going to see more and more stuff made in the United States. Um, but it's, you know, it's a dance that a lot of people do. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, BarbecueBible.com is his website that I check out frequently. And the next subject that we're going to be talking on, uh, I saw on your blog as well. And it's kind of an area that I've really never forayed into for one reason or another, but it's like a wild game. So. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, I see, I mean, every, just look out your window and you have deer running across everywhere. They, they walk down the street like they're a gang in my neighborhood and there's no woods around me. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but like what other wild game stuff uh, are you into and have you found, you know, not only do you like, but what stuff have you tried and realized that, yeah, maybe that stuff's better left in the wild out there? Uh, well, boy, in terms of uh, food better left in the wild out there, uh, when I uh, was a very young man, actually uh, first year of college, I went to live on an island called uh, Saint-Pierre-Miglon uh, in the mouth of the St. Lawrence to learn French. And we lived with a French family, and one day they served wild duck. And I thought, man, this is going to be really great. I loaded up my plate. Well, it turned out this duck had uh, foraged on, I don't know, uh, cod, dead fish, seaweed. It was the most god-awful stuff you would ever taste. Uh, so that is not wild game I would recommend. This um, blog that you reference is actually a guest blog uh, written by the owner of the Broken Arrow Ranch in Texas. And it's a fascinating story because he goes into uh, the great care they take to field dress right in the field uh, their bleeding and storage techniques, uh, uh, all of the interesting breeds that they uh, they have. I mean, I'm a big venison guy. I'm a big elk guy. Uh, but this blog also goes into the challenges of grilling and smoking game. Because remember, game is much leaner even than the leanest cut of meat you will find in beef in a supermarket. So you have to add the fat either by barding, by larding, with a marinade, uh, you also need to cook very quickly, and there are certain temperature thresholds you do not want to go above or else you will dry the game out. One of the, the big knocks that I hear, especially on deer, is uh, gaminess. And are, are there things or steps that you need to, and that's a taste reference, by the way, uh, are there steps that you need to do? I've heard like soaking stuff in buttermilk or you know doing these certain steps before you cook it will remove some of the overpowering gaminess of the meat? Or does that just kind of depend on what animal you're eating and what kind of gaminess you're going to get? Well, it's so many things, uh, 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 Greg. It's, first of all, um, uh, what the species is, what time of year it's been hunted, right? Because it eats very different diet in the summer uh, than in the fall and the winter. 
uh, where it's hunted. Um, I, I mean, there are a lot of what cut of meat, right? Okay, the backstrap has a different flavor um, than the uh, than the shoulder. Um, but you know, I would say, uh, and if it's hideously gamey, yes, brining, soaking in buttermilk, vinegar. Uh, all of those help, but you know, you don't want game to taste like beef, right? You want it to taste like game. Uh, elk, uh, we did on uh, the Prime Grill show, we did elk marinated in red wine and juniper berries, which juniper is kind of a classic game flavor. It has a clean, piney sort of flavor that, that let's say, offsets the gaminess. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, one of the other things that I saw in a blog post on the website was stuffed steak. Yeah. And I love steak, and yeah. I, I was kind of first introduced to, I mean, I've seen it here and there, but never really thought about it. And about four or five years ago, the guy that does the video feed for this show, uh, Outdoor Cooking Channel, did this huge video on this. It was like a skirt steak, and he stuffed it with this whole, I mean, it looked absolutely amazing. And I was so excited to see stuffed steak on, on your uh, post show up on the website. Uh, talk to me a little bit about stuffed steak cuts and, and what you like to stuff with it and ways of kind of cooking it. And, you know, the last thing you probably want to do is have a stuffed steak kind of leak all over the place. And, and now you got kind of like half a stuffed steak, right? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm so glad you pointed that out. And, you know, we do a lot of blogs. We do two blogs a week. Uh, and over the course of a year, that's a lot of blogs. We try and cover a wide variety of subjects. And we're very eclectic. So wild game holiday gift giving, uh, stuffed steaks. But for this blog, I kind of brought my global perspective because remember when I've traveled for Barbecue Bible or Planet Barbecue, I'm always looking at analogs around the world. So to me, the original and kind of uh, the first stuffed steak I found, it's the one pictured in our blog photo. It's uh, called a matambre, which comes from the Spanish words for the hunger killer, matambre. And it's basically a flank steak you slice in half through the side to wind up with a broad, paper-thin sheet of beef. And then you uh, lay strips of cheese, sausage, carrot, peppers on it, roll it up into a tight, tight roll. Uh, in uh, How to Grill, uh, and when I saw it first in Argentina, it was wrapped in foil and then kind of roasted over the embers. I think next time I do it, I'm not going to wrap it in foil. I'm going to put it on a rotisserie. And, uh, and really let that meat get some of the fire. But then I was in Croatia a few years ago, and they do a really cool stuffed steak, basically a, a very thin slice of cheap round, and uh, they butterfly it open, layer it with ham and cheese, sometimes pickled, sometimes mustards, fold it over, pin it, quick grill. That's another stuffed steak. That is really fabulous. By the way, I... Uh, this is a, a little bit of a non sequitur, but we seem to be in non sequitur mode tonight. I got uh, got a little show and tell for you. All right. Okay, ready? Here we go. go. Look at this. It's a book cover. Yeah. Nice. So I just got the cover. Uh, let me, yeah, I think that's, whoops. Um, okay. So that's the, uh, that's the new book, Project Smoke, coming out in May. And I just got the cover on it. Uh, on the cover, you can see the recipe for big bad beef ribs, which oh, yeah. I did the Project Smoke last uh, show last year. Uh, that's another great holiday dish, by the way. Is uh, so? Are, is everything in that book kind of based 
on the TV show? Or, I mean, obviously, there are probably going to be more in the book than there was on the TV show. But... more in that. Yeah, well, I did things sort of backwards because usually you uh, write the book and then you do the TV show. I did the TV show first. But, uh, you know, we're working on Project Smoke 2. So between Project Smoke 1, Project Smoke 2, you will see much of the book uh, on air. But then there's this whole, there's a cool section of the book. It's called You Can Smoke What? Question mark, exclamation mark. And it's everything from... Uh, ice cubes to mustard to hot sauce. I mean, just stuff you'd never dream you could smoke. Stephen, in regards to TV shows, and let me just ask you to, to go a little high level here. Um, we talk a lot about it on this show, uh, shows like Barbecue Pitmaster and you know some of the other competition shows. And then you have somebody like yourself who has seen a tremendous amount of success at PBS, and then you are doing uh, the other Primal Grill, and, and now it's uh, Project Smoke. When you're done with the first season of project smoke do you know already that the the station or whoever's uh you know producing it is like hey this is good we're already going to go into a second season or the next version or whatever it is or is that something that you have to wait on after everything is wrapped and it starts to actually get into air to see how it's picked up by the audience um well you know you always go into show thinking series not individual shows uh, and I've been very lucky because over the course of doing Barbecue University and Primal Grill, we built up uh, a following not only among viewers, but also among station programmers. So, you know, the general, we were off the air between Primal Grill and Project Smoke for a few years. And the general attitude is like, where's the next Reichland TV show? We want another Reichland TV show. Uh, but, you know, um, I'm lucky. I'm appreciative. I'm thankful uh, that the public seems to want to see my shows and the programmers do. So as long as that's the case, I'll keep doing them. And those barbecue universities are something that will, regardless of TV show or, or books or anything, that's something that you'll just continue to do as long as people sign up for? You bet. I love it. And uh, actually, to anybody who is interested in signing up, I just learned that apparently we're sold out. So uh, if you didn't get in this year, Put your name on the waiting list, and we are thinking about running a third session. Uh, it's out at in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor Resort. It's just that makes a spectacular vacation as well as an educational experience. You know, I mean, everything I do. You mentioned some of those other, uh, the other more competition shows, and you know, they're great. I guess for me, like, what drives me is education. That's uh, I, I guess I, I'm a teacher. I love to explain. I love to teach. Love to give people information that will make their lives richer. I, I know you're not the uh, proverbial shit talker, and you don't like to stir it. But you know, remove that element of what those TV shows like to have kind of intermingled in there for the entertainment value. But uh, you know, just on straight chops alone, like you could just go in there and murder everybody, right? Um, no, I mean, I, I'll I say it. Say yes, yes, you can. I'll say it for you. You be modest. I'll say it for you. That's fine. <laughs> Look, I mean, everybody, you know, anybody that competes, you, you can learn from everybody. And competition skills, it's a very different set of skills than what I do, which is really trying to get people to make, you know, smoke and grow great food at home. Uh, obviously, I have the global perspective. And, you know, I, I mean, what makes my heart beat fast is what somebody's doing on a grill in Indonesia or India as much as it is what they're doing in Memphis or Kansas City. 
Stephen Reichlin joins us here on this show the third Tuesday of every month. And you can bet that uh, come the turn of the year in 2016, we'll be back in the third week of January. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Uh, it's been a tremendous amount of fun this year. I can't believe we've blew through a whole year of uh, visits. Um, and, and I wish you guys nothing but uh, happy holidays and happy gift giving and getting and all that good stuff with your family. And uh, we'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks a lot, Greg, and happy holidays and healthy new year, everybody. All right, take care. There he is, Stephen Reichel, Hall of Famer, by the way. I swear he was going to show me his uh, Hall of Fame statue. He said he was going to. But, I mean, I know. Not everybody can be as crash and as look at me as me. Right? Trust me, nine out of ten pitmasters if i would put that word if i would put that question to them you would murder people they would go oh hell yeah i would of course stephen reichland is the man stephen reichland is the man you know what else is the man a product that won the 2015 barbecue tool of the year the chops power injector system that's right folks each chops power injector system is patent pending let me break it down for you if you will the number one seller is the half-gallon CHOPS power injector system designed for the competition or to pump up the backyard warrior like me. So easy to use. Clean it, pump it. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go if you just have one brisket or pork shoulder to do. You don't need to fill it up all the way. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Then you have the one-gallon CHOPS power injector system. Some use it in competitions, like when you're cooking MBN whole hog, or perhaps you're doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Then the newest one is a CHOPS whole power injector system. It's electric. It is the commercial and competition big daddy. There is not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue Kansas City uh, restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the Chopsville power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with a metal needle adapter, 14 gauge needles, three 12 gauge needles, two inch 11 and a half gauge needles, three plug screws and a needle protector, 325 bucks plus shipping anywhere. A number of top pitmasters in the world use chop power injector systems every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. And here's the thing, right? We live in a foodie world that now requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. And it's not just for meat. How about injecting alcohol into your watermelon or other fruit, you messes? Every injector hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices, they have you covered for that. They have two, three, and four-inch 12-gauge needles. They also have two-inch closed-tip needles, perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needle with fat. They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade you can buy to make your chops injector bulletproof with metal needle adapters. That's right. Chops Power Injector System gives your barbecue some power. And visit BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity. And mention on this show free shipping. Say, hey, Rempy said free shipping, and by the way, I'm giving one away right now. I'm giving away one right now. Email me, CPS, in an email, and you win it. First one in wins. But get the free shipping, too. We're back right after this. 
Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by iGrill, makers of the most advanced Bluetooth grilling thermometers in the world. Monitor the temperature of whatever you're cooking from up to 150 feet away using your iOS or Android device. We're going to be giving away an iGrill 2 with Ken of Freshman say it at the top of the second hour. Hey, Who's excited about that? Me. I'm excited. Use promo code CENTRAL. Use promo code CENTRAL in order to uh, take 15% off. C-E-N-T-R-A-L. All right. Let's see who wins a CHOPS power injector system. Well, look at this. Anella Kelso wins CHOPS power injector system. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. All right. Uh, Anella, fair enough. You're the first one in. Because you're paying attention. Everybody else is sitting on their thumbs with who knows where. And shoot me your shipping info, Anella, and you win the Chops Power Injector System. Congratulations. All right, joining me now is the official Barbecue Central Show's Texas correspondent, the pitmaster of Rogue Cookers, Doug Scheiding, joining me here on the show. And, Doug, of course, the question that is on everybody's mind is... Did you get the iGrill 2 yet, and have you had a chance to mess around with it at all? No, I haven't received it yet. What? No. No, you're kidding. No, I'm not. You're not kidding? Nope. Oh. Well, why would that guy tell me Monday when it's Tuesday today? Maybe he was shipping it Monday. Oh, this was Friday. And I paid for a flat rate, all you can pay, whatever the two-day ups priority crap slow boat to china oh my god unbelievable unbelievable doug it was free get off my back for crying out loud oh my god (laughs) i'll use it this weekend promise all right here we go uh so doug let's go ahead and kind of uh, do a little bit of review of uh, 2015 in the world of texas barbecue obviously texas is huge and uh, continually is uh uh, uh, i don't know are they uh, is texas still like saying they might secede or is that kind of like hot and cold with the wind that they're going to secede or like what's the deal i mean you're down there do people really want to leave the the united states it's a matter of time is it really uh actually my business partner uh used to make uh bumper stickers and hats that said texas secede and even today he was like hey i need to put a new bumper sticker uh on my bumper (laughs) Is is Texas, I don't mean to diverge off of barbecue, but, uh, and I have no idea because I live in Cleveland and I'm praying for death every day, but uh, does, is Texas that self-sufficient where they could, you know, put up fences and, and everybody would go away or they just steal everybody from Mexico and, and enslave them? Like what would go on? Well, yeah, it, it depends on who's going to be, if Trump gets president and then we'll build that wall and they won't be able to come in anymore. But, uh, oh, you know, being from Texas, you, uh, everyone north of the Red River is a Yankee and, you know, outsiders and things like that. And it, and it, people think it means a whole lot if you're born in Texas, which I am, by the way. There you go. Uh, Doug Scheiding joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Rogue Cookers, championship award winning, world champion award winning uh, cook, by the way. Um 
are, are there any like lead stories that jump off at you, Doug, uh, this year that you think you know Texas was good for that if people weren't listening to the show or deserve kind of a, another round of mention? Well, um, actually, you know, we've got the three barbecue societies, and I, I did a little research in terms of who who won each each of the uh, the different societies, and I found it interesting. We can't even get it correct on having a coordinated calendar year cooker of the year. We have three societies, and of course, we've got three ending dates on the three societies. So, um, you know, whether there's going to be a, something to get together next year, there's talk about maybe having a, a top 15 cook of the year from each of the societies. So that might encourage some people to chase points because uh, most of the people I know don't chase points, including myself. So it's really about the weekend and the cook. It, 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 how like, how unlike are the three sanctioning is the scoring all the same and it's all the same meat and stuff. It's just different sanctioning bodies that separate them really. Yeah. For the most part, um, LSBS might, uh, have a wild card in there where you, you smoke something, you know, different, uh, pull ports, not too uncommon in LSBS. And, uh, I've even done a couple with uh, Cabrito as the fourth category in addition to your, you know, standard three. It's- is there a possibility that each sanctioning body would take whoever their overall winner is, and then you would just have like a three-person cook-off? The number one from each, and they go, they cook off, and then you have like the overall winner of uh, of the sanctioning bodies. There is some talk about that, but uh, it's really uh, maybe the top 10 or 15. The questions come up, who pays for it and who organizes it? Yeah, but and, I mean, there, uh, has to be, the there has to be some... Uh, two or three or four really big sponsors that are out in Texas that would really want to sink their chops into something like that to say they're sponsoring or they've created whoever the overall winner is going to be out of a calendar year for competition. Yeah, I think it's, it's just starting to, to have some conversation on that. It'd be great if somebody like Western Wood would do it because, you know, they, they uh, sponsored the, the contest last year that had about 60000 prize money uh, turn and burn down in Pleasanton, which is held in, uh, in March or so. All right, so uh, talk to me about the, uh, the the teams that won the individual sanctioning bus. Okay, uh, IBCA, uh, Danny Luetta won, and he actually cooks out of the Valley, and um, uh, his team name is Incognito. Yeah, here in Texas, it's actually uh, the sanctioning bodies go by the head cook and feature the head cook more than the team name, which is which is a little different than some of the other organizations but um he actually this is his job his wife works he stopped working and he considers this his job so he chases points by the you know the fact that he cooks almost every weekend this year he said he cooked about 38 uh, 39 cookoffs i mean oh my god so obviously he's married like either the best woman in the world or he's been <laughs> able to just pull the wool right over her eyes and she has no idea what's happening but he, so he quit his job, and this is what he does full time. You know, in the end, uh, Doug, you're a business guy. I'm a business guy. At some point, it's got to come down to the cabbage, the funds, the cheese, all that uh, stuff. Is he making money? Like, is, is he stroking checks back into the bank account that are sizable and uh, you know able to keep that deal afloat, or is is the wife really just kind of funding the bills and his competition hobbies? <laughs> 
I think I think he's you know he didn't tell me how much money he was making, but he says he goes to cookoffs to chase the money. So he's chasing the money, not necessarily chasing the points. Because he said uh, he mentioned some. There's a contest in I think Arizona. It's a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. He's going to do that. Uh, he'll he looks for cooks that are you know ten to fifteen thousand dollars guaranteed payback. And typically he cooks IBCA just because IBCA is down in the valley. You know they, they have cookoffs all throughout the state. So when you're doing it like this, uh, will he also go and do a, a KCBS event if it's kind of by there or if the prize money's to his liking or somebody other other than the, the Texas stuff or just Texas? Yeah, stuff? yeah, he'll he'll uh, make a trip like he's doing the one in Arizona. He also makes a trip every every summer and he goes up in the Midwest and he cooks a few KCBS and tries to find some uh, makes it a family trip and and they uh, take about four or five weeks off and and go cook a few. And he's a single team. The, he's a single person team, correct? Wow. wow, look at this guy. All right, so he's chasing points, chasing money, and it's a full time job, and his wife works full time, so he can go compete full time. I mean, that's—I uh, got to admit—I'm a little jealous of that. If I competed, yeah, he's uh, he's been cooking for about eleven years, and uh, he's won. Uh, he didn't know how many he'd won this year, but he won his fiftieth contest, uh, grand champion in January. All right. So, has he ever won the uh, Houston Livestock and Rodeo? No, he hasn't. Oh, okay. Um, next sanctioning body. Next sanctioning body is, um, we'll go with LSBS, and that is our friend Kit Polk of Canned yep. Heat, who you've had on the show. Yep. And he, he not only won the uh, points in the meets, he's also proud of winning the beans competition. He's number one because people are fairly particular about their beans here in Texas. And so he was, he was pretty proud of that. What's a Texas bean? Uh, actually most, most competitions, um, other than maybe like the Royal where, you know, baked beans or, or something might do well. It's a plain, simple pinto bean. It's about the bean. If you do even, you know, borracho or chato beans, you know, the Mexican style beans with cilantro and things like that typically doesn't do as well. It's just a plain, simple bean and maybe a little thicker sauce, more like a ranch style sauce. Hmm. Um, and that's a big deal down there, right? Beans? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Beans are almost at every cook-off. And we're not getting that confused with the other big thing down there, or at least it is a stereotypically perceived down there, which is chili. No, yeah, no ch- chili is at some contests, but uh, not a whole lot. But you know, in Texas, it's uh, your chili ha- has no beans. Oh, that's Texas chili is no beans. Is oh yeah, no, no beans. And in, in Texas, red actually is is kind of small ground meat, and it's a kind of a red chili. But uh, no, I like a little more hearty chili. Uh, and Kit really had quite a quite an impressive year. Unbelievable year. He cooked 29 cooks and he was nine grand champions and seven reserves. Unbelievable percentage. He really kicked some butt this year. Is he looking to do the same amount next year or? Yeah, he's, he's looking to do the same amount. Oh, also he got, uh, that was nine and seven in LSBS only. He cooked uh, two IBCAs and got two reserve grand champions as well. So he said next year, he's probably going to cook a little more IBCA. All right, uh, and then uh, Texas Gulf Coast is the remaining one, correct? Yeah, Texas Gulf Coast, uh, Johnny Dunn. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is the IBCA ends in August so for the 2015. The LSBS ends in October, 
and Texas Gulf Coast ends in May. So, uh, May. but the winter of, yeah, in May. Wow. So it's like 2014, 2015. So, uh, Johnny Dunn of Bourbon Cowboy Cookers was the number one cook this year. Uh, what kind of a cook is he? I mean, he's, he, he's pretty consistent or is he kind of a, a guy that goes on runs? He, uh, yeah, he, he went on, on some runs. He's, he's been cooking for about five years this year. He won four GCs and three reserves and, uh, in about 25 cooks. So, uh, not as many points, you know, like you mentioned, the scoring system is the same, you know, you get 10 points per, per category, you know, first place gets 10 and, you know, down to 10th place, you get one point. And so that's how you accumulate points. If it's a larger cook, 50 or hundred teams, they might bump it up to 15 points for first. And basically you add up the, the three categories. Doug, is there, because you have the three sanctioning bodies and certainly, you know, the rest of the country isn't averse to having different sanctioning bodies. Uh, Florida is obviously, I mean, I think Florida has one because there was, it was just such a far way to go to get to a KCBS event. And it's, there still really isn't a lot of them. Uh, Texas is a huge state. So if there isn't going to be a lot of KCBS stuff down there, you got to have something that you can call your own, but it seems excessive to have three different sanctioning bodies in a state, uh, I, and I'm sure it's been talked about at points in the past, but is there any real thought or is there any real chance of everybody just kind of coming together under one unified sanctioning body, maybe dropping uh, the, you know, the three names that are currently out there and making a, a brand new name and, and working that way? Uh, I don't see that happening too in the you know near future, maybe in the distant future. Um, you know, I looked at uh, the number of cook-offs, and I think this spe- speaks a little volumes about the magnitude of the uh, the societies. Last year, IBCA had 263 cook-offs, and LSBS had, had 123, and Texas Gulf Coast only had 36. That's not, not very many, although they are the sanctioning body for the San Antonio Rodeo, which is a pretty fairly prestigious cook. You know, it's a cooker's cook. And Doug Shiden. And of course, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And, and of course, it, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, uh, an event like the Houston, which is the world championship and has a lot of notoriety, is a non-sanctioned cook. Yeah, uh, I, I think if you really kind of go look through some of the, the bigger competitions, it's not the same, uh, you know, with everyone, but there are kind of those few really big like Memphis and May isn't technically a sanctioned uh, event. Uh, MBN doesn't have it. It's not a KCBS sanctioned event. It's just Memphis and May. And then you have, uh, you know, the Houston one. And so there are, you know, those very small handful of really big, long running prestigious events that aren't sanctioned by anybody. Um, what do you see in, in 2016? Uh, any predictions or uh, black sheep or out of the woodwork teams that you kind of been keeping an eye on that you think are due for a breakout year? Well, uh, I hope, uh, you know, CJ went on a little bit of a run. He's not necessarily a black sheep, but, um, uh, I think it's interesting. And, and I think Craig Sherry had this a little bit, uh, for a while you teach the classes and then you've got a bunch of people that are cooking kind of the same you know, way, et cetera. So, you know, do they have to reinvent themselves and come up with CJ had a little bit of that too, in my opinion, from the standpoint of he's got a lot of disciples out there cooking yeah. the same way. And so uh, yeah. a lot of his disciples were doing a lot of winning or coming yeah. in second place too, by the way. I mean, it's not like they just did. Okay. They were winning. 
Yeah, exactly. And a lot of uh, uh, CJs have been as well. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, he may have to uh, to reinvent himself to a certain extent, but uh, never ca- count CJ out because, you know, after he won the San Antonio Rodeo and came on the show, he had the karma and won one, two or three in a row uh, as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good cooks. I cook more in Central Texas, a little bit in Houston. And so, you know, it's a little bit segregated from that standpoint. You've got your Houston cooks and, you know, Valley as well as North Texas and Central. Uh, Doug, what about you and uh, Team Row Cookers? What's your year coming up look like? Well, we we uh, cook uh, we cook about twelve, thirteen a year. Um, we're of course uh, we've got one in January in Beeville. It's an IBCA Extra Money event, and because uh, even within IBCA, there's I think there's twelve uh, different uh, organizations based on regional, and they have Extra Money events once a year. So I'm going to do that, and then. Uh, there's uh, one in February, uh, Tyler Q, a fundraiser that's sponsored by High Strung. That's a good one and gets a lot of good cooks. And then, of course, the Houston Rodeo and uh, Bandera Rodeo. So I've got about five on the calendar right now. And if you're looking for a championship uh, ringer or a hired gun, you're not averse to that, right? The large sums no. of money bring you out of the woodwork, right? No, no. no. In fact, I know what? Come on. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of cooks, you know, uh, would like to to cook the Houston Rodeo just because there's a waiting list to get in. So, you know, if someone asks some cooks, they'll definitely go cook it just like we did. No doubt. Uh, Doug Scheiding is the official Texas correspondent for the Barbecue Central show. And uh, let me say this, Doug, publicly, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that really nobody knows about that Doug does for me each and every week. So he makes me sound like I, I know probably a lot more than I actually do about Texas barbecue. And it's all thanks to Doug Scheiding and uh, Roe Cooker. So, Doug, I really appreciate that. And I look forward to continuing to collaborate with you going into 2016, buddy. You bet. Thank you, and appreciate you elevating Texas barbecue on the national scene. Yeah, appreciate it. There he is, Doug Shining of Rogue Cookers. Love that guy. Literally, he has made me seem like I know a lot about Texas barbecue. I mean, granted, I kind of brushed up my game. Doug has been able to, to give me a lot of insider tips and make some interviews happen that I don't have contact information on, so... Doug is bringing a lot side, uh, a lot of value behind the scenes that you guys don't see but are benefiting from. So thanks to Dougie. Uh, all right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru, the longest-running sponsor of the show. It's automated pit temperature control devices, folks. They created this technology. Buy from them, for crying out loud. Don't buy from anybody else. If you're a busy working pro, perhaps you're constantly on the run with the kids, you're doing errands, and you don't have the time to set down and tend those pit temperatures, the Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs or all of that stuff, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There are currently a number of different models to choose from. You have the CyberQ Wi-Fi, you have the PartyQ, two opposite ends of the spectrum there. If you're looking just to kind of get into Automatic pit temperature control devices, Party Q is for you. 149 bucks for most cookers. It's the easiest point of entry for pit temperature control devices. A self-contained package. It runs on AA batteries. It can go from cooker to cooker to cooker. It's absolutely fabulous and easy to use. If you're in the market for a cooker, might I ask and or suggest you take a look at the Onyx Oven. It's been winning on the competition circuit and in backyards all over the country for years. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, accommodates the half and full pans for food service, and you know it's going to work seamlessly with any of the Guru temperature control devices that they have. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. 
and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. Directly. Don't guess. Don't want you to guess and get it wrong. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or visit thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right. Thanks again to Doug Chyna for joining me this past segment talking about Texas barbecue. Um, we're going to reload for the second hour. Lots to get to. He mentioned uh, CJ, Clarence Joseph from uh, Mom and Papa's Barbecue. Uh, they are announced as being one of the teams that the show will follow, as we mentioned last week. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to duck off here, get a glass of water, and then I'm going to change microphone setup. So hopefully you've been diligently paying attention to how the Heil PR40 sounds right here. The standard of broadcast excellence. And... Uh, my IFB, which the sound quality for me with this thing, I mean, you can't see it. I got the little, you can't even see that. Uh, anyway, the sound quality for me with this is not that great. It's better with the, the earplugs, but it's all about aesthetics, right? Because if we sound the same, we want to do what looks the best for the video. So I'm going to put on the Audio Technica here in a second as well, and then we will gauge how the second hour audio is. By the way, if you want to win a free iGrill 2, Call in, 216-220-0966, 216-220-0966. We're going to play Can a Freshman Say It? right at the top of the second hour. That's 10 o'clock Eastern. You have to be playing live in order to win. It's fun, it's exciting, and you could win a $100 iGrill 2. What's the worst that could happen? You lose in three questions like Sylvie last week. Sylvie, I'm just kidding. You tried, you tried. That's all I can ask is a truck. All right. Uh, we're going to step away. We'll be right back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Screws. I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what, what what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now.
All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. There we go, just like that. All right, we've made the uh, adjustments into the microphones. Now we, as you can see, have the headset microphone on. We have the Audio-Technica microphone right there. Yes, it does look like I might be calling a football game a little bit later, but that's all right. I can tell you what I'm going to be doing right now, though. I'm going to be getting rid of this song, and we're going to be playing this song because, hey, guess what, folks? Welcome back to another edition of Can a Freshman Say It? Yeah. It's a game show widely sweeping the nation in a rapid fashion. This is going to be the last week that we give away a free iGrill 2 brought to you by the folks at iGrill. You can get yours at iDevicesInc.com for $100 retail or so. 50% off if you use Central at checkout at iDevicesInc.com. And here is how you play the game. I will ask the caller who is on the line, by the way. Up to five words. If you can get three of five correct in any fashion, you win the iGrill 2. Again, graciously donated by the folks at iDevicesInc.com. So, without further ado, we will uh, go to the hotline and welcome in the first contestant. Contestants, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Hello. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, this is Scott from Chandler, Arizona. All right. Scott is in. You're ready to play Can a Freshman Say It? I am. All right. Wonderful. You know, uh, obviously, uh, hopefully you were listening, Scott. You uh, have the gist of how we're going to be playing tonight? Yes, I've heard you the last couple weeks. All right. Wonderful. So uh, you know that a iGrill 2 is up for grabs. So let's go ahead and play the game. All right, Scott from Arizona, here's your first word. Can a freshman say drown like meeting your ultimate demise through water or some other liquid? Drown. Remember, the freshman has to say the word correctly in order to move on. I think she can. All right, so we are going... With a yes. Scott says yes. Can a freshman say drown? Show me drown. Drown. All right. Look at this guy. Scott getting it right off the bat. That's the way to build momentum, Scott. You're one for one. Two more for your chance to win the iGrill 2. Let's go ahead and move to the next question. All right, Scott, you are one for one. The second word that we're going to be asking tonight is foliage. For instance, we're here in the North Coast in the fall. The foliage is absolutely spectacular. But can a freshman say and read foliage? Uh, I think she's going to get that one, too. All right, we'll lock you in for a yes. Quickly scanning the chat room. Everybody is saying no, so we'll see who the smart one is here. Scott, in just one second. You say yes. Can a freshman say foliage? Foliate. Fo- right? Fo- foliate. Foliable. Oh, wow. Foliable. How did they even get... Foliable? What? Whose kid is that for crying out loud, Scott? Oh, my God. All right, let's go ahead to the next one. One right, one wrong, three left. 
plenty of time to get the eye grill too here, Scott. The next word that we asked the freshman, Scott, is larynx. Like in your throat. Larynx. And the freshman say larynx. Oh, man. Um, Tricky. I know. I'm going to say no. We will lock you in on a no. Show me larynx. Larynx. All right. Good for you. She tried really hard, but in the end, she can't say it correctly, of course. Nevertheless, clear that one out of there. We'll go to the next question. You get this one right, Scott, by the way. I don't need to tell you. You sound like you're very smart. Uh, You win the eye grill, too. So, with that being said, can a freshman say the word lease? Like something you sign for a place you're going to be living for a determined amount of time. Lease. Remember, she's reading it and then has to say it correctly. I think she can. All right. Getting a lot of support in the chat room as well. A lot of people saying yes. Remember, this is my daughter we're talking about, so we have no idea what's going to be going on. All right, freshmen, show me for the win. Lease. Lease. All right, look at this guy. Wonderful. Scott is winning it just like that. Only missing one, by the way. So he is going absolutely off the wall with the correct ones. Very good, Scott. Uh, All you need to do is send me your shipping info, and uh, I myself will be sending out the iGrill 2. Evidently, it might take a little longer than two to three days that they're quoting at the post office because it's holiday season. Uh, But nevertheless, send that over to uh, Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com, and we thank you for playing tonight. Oh, thank you. You got it. There he is. It's Scott, everybody, from Arizona playing. Can a freshman say? Lease. Wow. All right. Now, here's the good news. We have another round to play. That's right. I'm just kidding. We don't really have another round. However, next week, we do have... Some substantial prizes to give away to the tune of grilling oils from Dave Bosco of Butcher Barbecue. So you're going to want to tune in next week, absolutely, to get your hands on some grilling oils. But before we leave you this week, we will thank the good folks over at iGrill. iGrill, iDevicesInc.com for donating three, count them, three iGrill 2s. For your winning pleasure for free. Hopefully Doug gets his. I know the other person got theirs already. Anyway, uh, we will see you next week for the show. Can a freshman say it? This is the host, Greg Rempe, saying uh, so long, everybody. All right, well, congratulations to Scott for uh, taking that. Love giving away the free stuff, and it's been a great uh, run of games with iGrill. Uh, by the way, um, evidently she didn't say, Anella, don't forget to send me your shipping info. 
so we can get the uh, whatever you won. What did you win? Oh, you won the CHOPS power injector system. That's right. Send me your shipping information so I can get that over to Dan Uladol at CHOPS Power. And, by the way, if you want to get a CHOPS Power injectum, uh, injector system for yourself or somebody else, please feel free to mention free shipping. Email Dan, barbecuekansascity.com, or connect with him. Tell him you want free shipping, and you heard about it here on this show, and he'll save you a bunch of money doing that. Anella gets the free one this week. And we will have Butcher Barbecue for kind of freshmen say it next week and perhaps the week after that uh, leading up to the uh, Christmas time. So uh, you never know. You never know. It's crazy. It's crazy time. It's the month of Christmas giving that gives all month long. Wow. Very excited about it. All right. Uh, I have Anella's info, so that's great. And, Scott, if you are winning or if... Scott is winning, by the way. I saw it. I was right there. If you're listening, shoot me your shipping info, and uh, we'll be all set. So congratulations to everybody that's winning on the show tonight, and there'll be more winning next week, and very excited about it. Bill Carew coming up out of the break. By the way, don't forget to weigh in on the uh, microphone sounds and looks and all that other stuff. So if, if one sounds better than the other, tell me hour one sounded better or hour two was sounding better. I'm completely hammered out of my mind and I didn't listen to either. By the way, let me talk to you about Suckle Busters, award-winning barbecue sauces, rubs, chili kits, and Texas gunpowder. More winning, by the way, coming up here in a second. It's uh, preferred by competition barbecue cooks. Texas-based, 100% made in the USA. Products have won hundreds of industry awards, including two first places at the American Royal Sauce Contest. That was two years in a row, by the way. New from Suckle Busters is the sauce we've been telling you about for months now. It's the award-winning honey barbecue sauce. Well, that's what it was based on. This is the honey barbecue glaze and finishing sauce. That's right. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. This is a thin barbecue glaze and finishing sauce made especially for competition ribs and chicken. It's super sweet. It's not spicy. It is super red. They use a special American paprika for a bright red color. Brush it on the last five to ten minutes of cooking. It leaves a glossy red sheen on the meat and an extra layer of sweet flavor. Take your competition ribs and chicken to a whole nother level. Available at local barbecue stores or online at sucklebusters.com. The email address sales at sucklebusters.com. The phone number is 972-393-9509. Or you can just visit the website sucklebusters.com. If you want a chance, or if you want a chance, if you want a uh, opportunity to sample a free bottle, send me an email right now and in the subject line, put sucklebusters, sucklebusters, and you will win a bottle of honey barbecue glaze and finishing sauce. And Dan always about ready to send you some other nifty stuff. Not just the finishing sauce, or at least he has. All right, uh, Chuck Slayton has just won. Congratulations, Chuck. In Cordova, in Cordova, Rancho Cordova. Rancho Cordova, show me your lightning bolt. 
All right, congratulations to Chuck for winning the bottle of Sockle Busters. Good for you. I'm going to get that over to Dan, and you'll have it in your mitts sooner than later. Let me know what you think of it when you get it, Chuck. All right, we're back with Bill Carew from the Carubacue. Get your uh, innovative hats on because this one's going to take you by the balls if you're not paying attention. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, all right. Welcome back. Appreciate the feedback uh, coming in, by the way. A lot of people saying that hour one was a little better. This portion of the show is brought to you by cookingpellets.com. That's right, your number one source for quality wood pellets to fire all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase cooking pellets as well. And sometimes they blow it out for crazy shipping prices too, so get your alerts cookingpellets.com proud sponsor of the show proud to have them on the show all right uh, i have been steady running down pit builders over the past few months to ensure that as consumers you guys and gals have the best information possible to make buying decisions when it comes to that time tonight we continue to romp through this portion of the biz with a pit builder who is bringing something a tad different to the market so let's go ahead and head over to the hotline and welcome back the uh, creator of the karuba cube Bill Carew joining me here on the show. Bill, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Actually, uh, hover your mouse down towards the bottom and click on the, the video thing. It's probably got an X through it right now. I don't know why Skype has decided to make that like a standard thing, but there you are. We got hey. you now, buddy. All right, Bill. So, um, I, you know, it's safe to say, and by the way, for true fans of the show, they know it's only been like a short uh, six years <laughs> since we've talked last time. I believe time is like ripping by like crazy. But, uh, you know, for the folks that maybe aren't familiar with it or haven't decided to tool back through the archives that far, uh, your pit is is revolutionary, a, a good word, or am I, am I overstepping adjectives here? But it, when I look um, at what's out there and when I see your model fired up and working, I can't compare it to anything. It's different. I don't know if it's uh, revolutionary, but it's uh, it's definitely different and non-traditional. So, um, go ahead. Let me let me paint a quick picture of it. So, it's kind of like um, it looks like a like a uh, uh, a cook shack electric cooker, like a you know rectangle or you know refrigerator yep. type thing. But then you have a firebox on top of it, but it's not like a firebox that you would see on a Lang or, or on a Close or something like that because it doesn't run like the, right. the real big logs and stuff. So uh, I guess if you could kind of pick the ball up from there and, and give me an idea, you know, how it runs, and then we can talk about the whole genesis of it and, and sure. you know, how quickly that happened for you. Sure. Well, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a stick-burning pick. Uh, it burns smaller sticks. The 
larger versions or at least the larger prototype burns a full size split. But for this uh, sort of 60 pound backyard capacity unit, uh, it runs uh, on logs that are, I say, bigger than a Red Bull can and smaller than a brick. Uh, and the firebox does sit on top of the pit, which is very unusual. Uh, but that's done for a couple of reasons, the most important of which is um, because I didn't want a, uh, a natural thermal siphon to develop uh, in the pit. So normally you've got the firebox low, you've got the smokestack high, and you have a natural thermal siphon that draws hot gas uh, and smoke into the pit. Um, having the firebox above the pit um, prevents that thermal siphon from happening. And um, uh, what I do then is draw hot gas and smoke from the firebox into the pit only when the temperature is below the, the thermostatic set point. So that establishes automatic temperature control, which is kind of a nice to have uh, in a pit. The other reason why having the firebox on top is an advantage is because unlike most fireboxes where you're pulling the smoke off the top of the fire, uh, in the case of my pit, you're actually pulling the smoke off the bottom of the fire, which forces the smoke down through the fire's own bed of coals, which burns the smoke very completely to, to create a very light flavor profile or alternatively to bypass that bed of coals to create a heavy flavor profile. So it gives you control over the flavor profile, which is directly related to the combustion of the smoke. So if, if you're um, looking at it top down, you have the, the hopper that's holding the wood uh, and it's burning yep. there? That's correct. So the firebox is about the size of a boot box. Um, so the upper portion of that is where you actually kindle and build the fire. Uh, and the lower portion of the firebox is an ash receptacle. So there's a tray that separates those two compartments. Uh, and as the wood burns down to coals and then the coals burn down to ash, the ash falls through that tray into the bottom compartment of the firebox. And you just add logs onto the top. So once you get the fire going, and uh, as you said, that's where you kindle and start the fire. I imagine once you get it going, it's kind of a, an ever, it's a burning up, if you will. So you just yeah, got to keep the wood on a, top. Exactly. It's a continuous process. Logs are added from the top. Um, and, uh, it takes, depending on the size and moisture content of the fuel, nominally a small log or two about every 30 minutes. So the tending interval is not that different from any other stick burner. Um, and, uh, but, but the, the temperature control and more importantly, the flavor profile control are, are directly settable and not a function of how you're shaping a fire or playing with dampers or anything like that. When you have the ash box, but you're, it's uh, drawing the flame and the smoke through the, the bed of coals, um, how, how are you separating the ash out from getting into the cooking chamber so, itself? Yeah, so all the, all the heavier ash, like in the, the coal power industry, they'd separate bottom ash from fly ash, and all, all the larger ash particles drop out. The smoke is actually withdrawn from the side of the uh, lower and upper compartments. Um, if you're stirring the fire aggressively, while the, the draft fan is actively pulling smoke into the cooking chamber, you can get some light fly ash, um, which you would see as a, as a grayish sort of ash. Um, typically, just basic handling of the meat, whether it's wrapping it or just picking it up and moving it in and out of a cooler or something like that. And that very fine ash is subsumed within the grease on the meat. And I haven't detected any sort of flavor change as a result of that, uh, that very light uh, fine ash. I don't think it's dropping more ash than uh, uh, 
you know, North Carolina barbecue where they're shoveling coals in on a uh, cowboy style uh, cooker. So I think it's pretty typical. Uh, Bill Crew joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, is kbq.us, uh, .us, not .com, kbq.us, if you want to check it out here while we're uh, talking. Also, a couple of the guys have linked it up here in the chat room. If you're uh, watching through the chat room, you want to click on that and see exactly what we're talking about here. So what were you disenchanted with with the existing products out there in order for you to to kind of i mean are you a guy that's an engineer and a tinkerer and a builder by trade or hobby or you were just so displeased what was out there you were going to build it no matter what i mean where does the genesis start it started with a with an old friend of mine who had an idea doing a barbecue tour about 19 oh god 1989 and uh he wrote me into this, and in a few years, this turned into six guys renting a van and eating at six joints a day for three days, once a year. And um, I'm the engineer in the group, and we would always make it a point to ask to see the pits and to talk to the pit boss and see how they're cooking and how the pit's designed and how they think about it. And that's what sort of got it going. And uh, about 2004, I decided I was going to try to try to make um, – make a better pit that would enable a more consistent uh, product uh, because it's a very highly skill dependent, especially with the traditional offset style pit, very highly skill dependent on being able to shape and control the combustion process and simultaneously control the power output of the fire to maintain a, a target temperature. Um, so that sort of got me going. And um, I went through uh, about four years of um, uh, mostly failure, some of them spectacular uh, involving uh, catalytic converters, secondary combustion chambers, oh, wow. uh, counterflow heat exchangers. It was a lot of these. Let's uh, let's spend a couple months welding something up in the garage, fire it up, and um, you know it's crystal clear in about thirty minutes that this is an epic fail. And uh, I'd throw it all aside and stomp off for a few months, and then come back and say, "Well, this time I'm going to get it right." And uh, that 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 was also false uh, on on most occasions until about four years in when I finally had the kernel of uh, of what uh, became the current design, which is basically pulling the fire upside down with uh, forced convection flow. I'm trying to think of the the right question to ask here, but so I mean, as you're going through all these and you're learning what's not right, and the kernel shows up, like is it something that is like, oh, that's it? Or is it something that you kept seeing fail over fail that this was like, you know, the glimmer of, of hope in all of the fails that you could continue to build on? There were just things you had to tweak around it to get it, it where you needed it. It was definitely not a lightning bolt. It was more of an ember uh, <laughs> becoming larger and larger. And uh, the first one, I actually, I was pulling air. Uh, I had a funnel-shaped firebox that was concentrating coals at the bottom of it. And I was sort of pulling air by the 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 bottom of that funnel and I, I caught a glimpse there and said there's there's something going on here where I could control the uh, uh, the combustion process and avoid uh, avoid black color and avoid uh, the bitter flavors that are associated with incomplete combustion of wood smoke and that turned into uh, a giant uh, sink that I bought from some uh, dairy supply store and a couple draft fans there and uh, a few other wrong turns but Eventually, uh, I, I got that kernel of, you know, instead of putting the fan on the input side, put it on the output side, and that allows this uh, suction to be carefully controlled, but simultaneously allows the fire to breathe freely, which is 
super important for a wood fire, not so important for a charcoal fire, which is a much more benign fuel, uh, which you can control the power of a charcoal fire very easily just by controlling the amount of oxygen you give to it with no real adverse effects. But with wood, if you, if you do that, you get problems because the smoke is coming out when it wants to come out based on the temperature of the logs and where they are in their thermal decomposition. And uh, you're either going to burn that smoke and have a large power excursion, or you're going to not burn that smoke and have a large excursion in unburned smoke, which can form creosote when it condenses on cold surfaces like briskets. Can you also put in charcoal on the top instead of wood? Or, I mean, do you really just you, recommend you burning the wood? Um, it, it will run on charcoal, but charcoals, it, but the pit sort of makes its own charcoal. So you're loading wood from the top, and it's decomposing into coals uh, at the base of the fire. So charcoal tends to be, uh, of course, more expensive, uh, and it lacks aromatics because, you know, the way you produce charcoal is by pyrolyzing wood, and so yep. all the volatiles are vaporized in the production of charcoal. And charcoal is just carbon, which oxidizes to CO and CO2, which we all learned are colorless, odorless, and largely flavorless in the, in the pure form. So um, some folks use charcoal to start the pit because it's a very effective way of getting things going and sort of getting a jump start. Yeah. And uh, it's very handy to have a bag of lump charcoal around for when you get distracted and you lose track of your fire and you walk over and you see that you have, uh, you know, five coals in the bottom there. You can throw a few handfuls of lump charcoal on and then put some wood on top of that and get back in business without having to light a new fire. Yeah, I was going to say, inherently, uh, as I'm sure you have come to find out, barbecue guys uh, really want to find the easiest, laziest way out. And when it comes to stick burners, it's making charcoal baskets and, you know, doing these kind yeah. of things. So that was uh, the, the road that led to the question. The other thing that I want to ask you about is the convection fan. Like this is this has to be part and parcel. You can't use one part of the pit without the other. They all kind of got to be working in unison. Yeah, and I've had a lot of inquiries about retrofitting uh, this to existing pits, and it it really is designed as a as a system. For example, because I'm forcing the draft by pulling air out of the cooking chamber. Um, the, uh, the cooking chamber has to be substantially airtight. So it's pretty carefully constructed uh, to make sure there are no major leaks so that when I start pulling air out of the cooking chamber, I don't get cold air leaking through into the cooking chamber, but rather I get hot gas drawn from the firebox uh, down into the cooking chamber. So there was a, quite a bit of trial and error and experimentation to sort of work out the best way to make that air flow around the pit um, and it, it's, it's a fairly tightly integrated system and I haven't found it's practical for, uh, uh, you know, for retrofit to other, other size chambers. Uh, in regards to size and, and capacity, do you offer different models or are you really just working on one or what's the deal? So, there? so I make one, which is a 60 pound, uh, capacity unit, um, targeted at sort of the, the backyard, uh, marketplace. I have a, a functional prototype that's a 400-pound capacity unit, and I'm working on uh, arrangements for that, and that would obviously be more geared towards the commercial or restaurant market. And it's it's identical technology, just scaled up by about a factor of 10. Do you have um, any competition teams that are running the Karubacues? Are they technically not legal, or are they legal because it's just uh, it would be like using a, a pit minder of some sort? 
Yeah, the uh, my understanding is it's KCBS legal because the uh, electric power it uses is only driving two fans. So I think it's a lot like a guru in that sense. Um, the two fans combined draw about 100 watts, so this is not a large uh, power draw. But all the heat is coming from the uh, coming from the the wood fire in the firebox rather than any sort of uh, electrical heating element. Uh, as far as competition teams, there are there are two that I'm aware of. Um, one is uh, Mark Shook, and I don't know if he's still actively competing or not. He was uh, uh, had Peace Pit Barbecue in Greeley, Colorado, uh, and he actually won the state championship a couple years ago. And uh, and the other is a, a customer down in Melbourne, Australia, uh, who actually won the first KCBS sanctioned event in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, this is Jesse Rogers with, uh, uh, let me think, Eureka Smoke, um, won the first KCBS-sanctioned uh, cook-off in the Southern Hemisphere uh, maybe a year and a half ago, um, and he was cooking on a C60. And then he, he actually took that to a competition up in Brisbane, uh, and uh, that's a long haul, so he flew and he took his pit in this check baggage and flew to Brisbane and won that one. Wow. Uh, that was probably six or eight months ago something like that all right so and i think it's uh probably important to, to point out that uh you also got a a fairly glowing review from uh the the guy that does the pit testing for amazingribs.com yeah that's that's been uh um quite a ride so uh, i sent them a pit as a demo uh must have been 18 oh, i can't remember a year and a half two years ago and he messed around with it and then messed around with it some more. And we went back and forth. And there's a bit of a learning curve, I think, like there is with most pits. And uh, that got, he wrote up a just a terrific review. And uh, and it really caught fire, I think, about two or three months ago, where uh, one of my customers uh, who came to my shop bought a pit. And I never thought twice about it. But uh, his name's Ernest. And Ernest is one hell of a cook and also a pretty good photographer. And uh, he got on the... Uh, uh, on the pit forum on amazing ribs and started posting some of what he was doing. And that created a thread, which is, uh, I think probably 5,000 hits long at this point. Oh, wow. So that's been, that's been pretty good. It's, uh, created a lot of demand. So it's been busy around here. Uh, are you working on lead time at this point or do you have stock available? So if I, uh, or anyone in the central lights show up tomorrow to your website, what are they looking at for purchase? Um, probably about two weeks. So that's where things are sitting. Things got pretty pretty scarce here in the run-up to Christmas, uh, and I had to go uh, beat the elves and get them in high gear. Uh, and so I actually picked up another load of steel uh, this evening, and uh, I'll be forming it up and assembling it uh, this weekend. And it's all so done. It's all done here, and uh, it's all done in Texas. It's all done in my shop in South Lake, Texas. Wonderful. All right, uh, you can check it out at K. KBQ, that's uh, Kilo Bravo Quebec.us, KBQ.us. We're talking with Bill Carew, the creator of the Carubicu. Uh, Bill, aside from the, the big monster, any other uh, product prototypes or uh, options available? So the, uh, um, the big monster, I've been, been messing around a little bit with um, a more advanced temperature control. Um, the big monster, I did a uh, retrofit on. Uh, putting a PID controller in and making instead of the fan sort of on off, which creates a dead band uh, of making it more variable speed. So it sort of tunes in and that was very successful on that big guy. Uh, it'll run plus minus one degree Fahrenheit. And there's actually a YouTube 
if you just YouTube uh, KBQ X 400, you'll, you can pull that thing up. Um, and I've been mucking around a little bit and sourcing some parts to see if I could do the same thing on the, uh, on the consumer uh, scale version. And uh, I've got a little bit of time off this uh, Christmas season. I'm hoping to be able to make some experiments and see if I can pull that off. Cool. Uh, Bill Carew is the creator of the Q Again, the website, kbq.us. Bill, appreciate the time tonight, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks very much. You got it. There he is. Bill Carew. Check out the Q. I know you're going to look at it. It's like looking at, you know, a, a very exotic, hot chick that you've really kind of never seen before look-wise. You're like, Uh-oh. and then you're like, yeah, why not? I wouldn't hit that. Once you get over, like, the initial shock of how it looks, because you have, when you hear wood-burning pit, I mean, you think, uh, you think one thing, and here's another. By the way, I do not have one sitting in my backyard. So just relax on that. Again, I'm trying to bring you all of the pit people out there that I possibly can. Bill is one of them. And the write-up on Amazing Ribs is beyond flattering. Meathead himself said it is barbecue nirvana. It's like Meathead, right? All right, folks, if you didn't know, Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, the number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world. Big Papa Smokers features a wide selection of American-made grills, drums, smokers, such as the Old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. BPS also features and makes a name for itself by crafting award-winning lines of championship rubs, flavors like Sweet Money and Happy Ending. Have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition event. Don't think that they can just be pigeonholed in competitive barbecue either. BPS rubs have become so well known, they've been picked up by a nationwide restaurant chain called BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. With four of the nine BPS rubs featured on their permanent menu and amid glowing reviews, BPS rubs are proven to be a great addition to anyone's pantry. Big Papa's website also features an online meat locker with top quality meat from Snake River Farms. Shipped right to your door from American Kobe Beef, the Caribou Pork, the Double R Ranch Meats, Big Papa's Meat Locker. Has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. Also, he is banded together with California-based rub maker Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what is the West Coast offense. I mean, really, it's what people are shooting for right now on the competition scene. The West Coast offense. Committed to bringing you the best flavors on the market. They're selling Swamp Boy sauce, a fine swine sauce, Granny's barbecue sauce. They've also created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Millions of dollars, by the way. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this within only five years of being in the biz, almost six now, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. So, hey, check them out. Support them. They support me. And I'll thank you. That's right. 
All right, we're back with Scott Key from Little Pig Town. We're going to talk King of the Smoker win right after this. Stick around. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back to this portion of the show being brought to you by iGrill. Bluetooth technology freeing you up from the grill or cooker to do what needs to get done, like raking or mowing the lawn at the end of December. What the hell? Looking for a great holiday gift? It's it. This is the one, the iGrill 2, retailing for about 100 bucks. You can find it at Lowe's. Get it online. You can go to iDevicesInc.com. Use promo code CENTRAL when you check out. My dad has an iGrill 2. He loves it. Always talking about how great it is and how he's gallivanting through the house. Writing expense reports, making caller reports, all the while being able to keep up to speed on exactly what his meat is doing. So thanks to iGrill and uh, those good folks for supporting the show this year and look forward to an extended relationship with them in 2016 as well. All right, uh, joining me here to close out the show, uh, we've been hyping it up for weeks, uh, perhaps even months. And it took place this past weekend, uh, the King of the Smokers. And this guy won it. A longtime barbecue competitor. He's won a lot, by the way. He's been on this show before in a number of different fashions. We welcome back friend of the show, Scott Key, a little pig town. Scott, how are you, buddy? Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Sorry, I had the wrong channel up there. Uh, just, it's my first show tonight, by the way. So, you know, hey. Just starting yeah, me out. too. <laughs> uh, so, Scott, talk to me, I guess, um, you know, before we start breaking down the minutia of the, the contest itself and how you kind of went around and smacked everybody in the face. Uh, talk to me about the location and, you know, what uh, what King of the Smoker means. Have you been before or is this your first time out? Yeah, this is actually my fourth year to uh, wow. attend King of the Smoker. All right, so, it's an amazing uh, event. It's uh, set up on the La Quinta Resort. Uh, they pretty much just take care of everything, and it's just immaculate from start to finish. Are you able to evaluate uh, where this event started back three years ago and, and where you are now in the fourth year? Have have there been noticeable changes, or has it really kind of started out? I mean, I remember when the first time this thing hit, and, I mean, it was like you would have thought this thing had been around for 50 years and everybody was raving about it. And as you said, from a cook's perspective, you couldn't ask for more. Uh, have you seen changes or, or tweaks for the better or has it just stayed on that same level since the beginning? No, man, it started off just the first time I actually attended the event. It was just awesome. And uh, it's the same every, I mean, it's the same, if not better every time I've attended it. It's never, uh, it's never slacked off any, that's for sure. Have you seen a noticeable rise in, I hope I get an invitation, or, or what do I need to do to, to get an invitation as you make your way around the, the competition circuits? Yeah, everybody wants to be a part of this event. It's become definitely the premier event to, to be a part of. And, of course, it's since it's handpicked, the competitors, you know, everybody would love to get a, get a shot to get into the thing. Uh, 
So are you basically just counting yourself uh, as, as lucky or like what, what are you chalking your invitations up to just because you're badass cook and you can kind of win this stuff? Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've earned my way into it every time I've attended. Uh, he's, you know, he kind of lays out there every year as to why you've gotten to go. And, uh, you know, I've met his expectations every time. So he's invited me and as soon as I get the invite, I'm in. From from a cook's perspective, and and as from a guy who is as seasoned as you are, I mean you've been around the circuit for a number of years now, and uh, as I said before, you've seen a lot of success. Going to an event like this, where when you talk to the cooks, you hear about the cooker's experience and what you don't have to do that maybe you're doing at any other competition, you know, schlepping garbage or looking for ice or, or doing whatever. Uh, like all that stuff is kind of not even a, a thought for you guys, more or less, right? No, it's nothing. I mean, we don't do anything from. The, I mean, they set up the tents, they put the pits in place, they have all the garbage receptacles, they bring you ice, they bring you food, and they take care of everything. The really one of the really coolest things about King of the Smoker is when you're actually cooking the competition from the time the contest starts until ten minutes after the last turn-in, no spectators are invited. So it's kind of neat to look down. You know, I'm sitting, so I got Darren Ward, Smokey D's on one side of me, Jimmy Gear, Tuffy Stone, Chris Lilly are on the other side of me. Uh-huh. It's really cool during the cook, you know, while you're cooking to see everybody down there in the zone doing their thing and nobody messing with them. They're just kind of in the zone. Don't have to worry about talking to people. They just kind of get to do their own thing. It's, it's kind of a really neat event to have. I mean, and not that we don't enjoy the spectators and love talking to people because that's a really cool part of barbecue, but it's really neat to have a competition to where everybody can focus primarily on the cook and then all the camaraderie between the cooks and all the smack talk and shooting the breeze. And, you know, it's just neat that we got that. I don't know. It's kind of a, kind of a special point of the competition where there's just the cooks from the time we start cooking until we turn in that last brisket. And then he opens the gates and it's, it's a flood. The floodgates are open. There's tons of people in there at that point. Are you a, a big fan of, of the way it's set up and the fact that, you know, there, there's some minutia there that isn't at any other competition? For instance, you know, you're bringing whatever meat you want to take to any other competition. This one, it's, it's supplied for you. Um, you're not allowed to use uh, the barbecue gurus or the, or the pellet cookers. You know, you, you kind of have to be able to, to tend to fire to a little bit depending on what kind of a cooker you are allowed to use. Uh, I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying it's an old-school competition, but it's certainly you know putting a little bit more onus back on the pitmaster to a certain degree and, and kind of trying to level the playing field with providing some of that stuff that has become really uh, specialized over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, how, how do you do, do you like that portion of it, or would you still at the end like to be able to be bringing your meat to this competition? No, I think everybody really appreciates it. I mean, from the time we have like a, a bingo's, ping pong ball style lottery to actually get your cooler full of meat. And you don't know what kind of meat you've got until you get your cooler, but everybody's got the same level playing field. We're all going to get a cooler full of meat. You know, nobody can use any of the gurus. Nobody can use, you know, anything electronic at all. You have one light to light up your tent and everything else has to be cut by hand. And he also gives you the two chickens, which really throws, you know, when you give a competition guy that a whole chicken, he's going <laughs> to, you know, what the hell are you going to do with a whole chicken? Us guys who don't cut up chicken, you know, you got to deal with that. And then once you get the chicken cut up, hopefully it's in some form or shape to where it can be presented as a competition piece of meat. 
You know, then you're going to sit there and look at all this pieces of meat after you got them cooked and go, well, what the hell am I going to put in the box? You know, I got all these wings, I got legs, I got thighs, I got breasts, you know. It's just a, I, I think everybody appreciates it because it's, everyone's dealing with the same exact thing during this competition. Scott Key joining me here on the show, Pitmaster Little Pig Town, uh, Grand Champ this past weekend, the King of the Smokers. Uh, all right, Scott, so let's quickly kind of run through the categories. Uh, you take it overall with a 706.8, so almost 7.7. Uh, and, and roughly three points more than reserve. So, you know, when you look at it from a competition sense, and I know people that maybe aren't familiar with competitions and, and how they score, I mean, three points is a pretty big deal considering there's been any number of them over the last couple of years that have literally stretched out to like thousands and tenths of a thousandth of a point separating one and two. So three points is, is a pretty good win for you. Chicken off the bat, uh, third place chicken. Um, is it a is it a chicken you're happy with, or because of the the thing that you said where you got two whole ones and you, you're kind of up to butchering it? Uh, were you a little uh, trepid on that? Well, we we really struggled when it came to turning in chicken because we had all these different pieces: the legs, the thighs, you know, the wings, the breast. What are you going to put in there? You know, it, it's just one of those struggles that you're dealing with, and uh, we ended up just going with you know the pieces that we liked and slung it in the box and. And we're lucky enough to get a third place call, so worked out pretty good. Uh, ribs, I don't want to say you know uh, shit the bed, but when you look at the rest of your finishes in the individual categories, you know 14th seems to be uh, obviously the the low point. So was there an issue with ribs, or was it just a, a judge thing, or you know how how, did, how do you see it? No, we had a pretty good set of ribs. I actually. Uh, hmm. Turned in what I thought was was good ribs, but uh, after I turned them in, I actually got some of Darren Wart Smokey D's ribs and and I think someone else's ribs. It may have been Tuppy's or Jamie's or somebody down there, and uh, there were definitely better ribs turned in than I turned in. I was happy with them, but after eating theirs, I was definitely kind of thinking, "Oh shit, that so could be in trouble." That that's like but, quali- that's quality of the cooks that you're surrounded in, right? Yeah, those guys are brutal. When you look around, any of those 24 teams could <laughs> win this thing and. You're just hanging on for dear life. We really just walked into awards wanting to bring home one of those McCanns. He gives away the, the actual smoker cans, yep. different sizes for each one of the awards, and they're super cool. You know, and I thought if we can just bring one of those home, you know, that would be I would be very, very pleased. So when we got our third place chicken call, I was like, Shit, yeah, got me one of those cookers, I'm in, you know. So then you win pork and then you turn uh, right back around and you win brisket. So, given yeah. a given a third place chicken and then two wins in pork and brisket, uh, and I know it seems like I'm always asking this question because uh, to me it seems obvious. You, you get two wins and a third. I mean, you got to be in the driver's seat going to win this thing, and, and you eventually do. But are, are you concerned with? Because uh, I'm imagining Sterling isn't calling out twentieth place, you know, for for categories. So no, you, prob- you probably don't no, hear. He, he only he only calls the top five in each category. So you really. You know, you don't know exactly what's going on. But when I, the, the real confusion in the whole competition, the award ceremony was Smoke Me Silly has got a first place chicken and they got a first place rib. Then I got a third place chicken and no rib call. And Darren Worth has got a couple of calls. Tuffy Stone's got a couple of calls. Jambo Pitts has got a couple of calls. Everybody's hitting and we're all over there in one little group piled up. So it's just this nonstop people jumping up and down and, you know, celebrating and having a good time. And, you know, I wasn't exactly sure where I was. And when it comes down to that, when you get a first break place brisket call, it's like an offering from God because 
you've waited until the very last call of the event to get the final call that you really needed. You know, so it's it's it, it's it's just over. It's kind of one of the overwhelming calls that you get right at the end. You're like, oh shit, I may be in this thing. Kind of a <laughs> it's one of those kind of calls. So when overall is getting called out and second place uh, or or reserve grand is called uh, at that moment. Are you like, yeah, this is ours, or are you like, wow, I really tanked off those ribs? No, well, so what happens is, smoke me silly, the guy that's got the two first place calls, you know, he gets called for for third place. You know, Darren Worth has already been called. Jamie's already been called. You know, and then uh, Joe Box gets the reserve grand call, yeah. and he kind of was the stealth bomber of the whole group. Yeah. You know, he wasn't, he didn't get a whole lot of calls, but that's the problem with when you're only calling the top five up there. If you got a guy that's banging out some some fives and some sixes, you know, he could be just as dangerous as the guy with two first. Yep. So, yeah, I didn't know until, I mean, when they called Joe Bob's, I thought either we were first or last, you know, it's going to be one of those deals. <laughs> so that was, a, that was, that was, we've been so close so many times over the last couple of years to, to win in a, a major competition like this, the American Royal Invitational, we were really close. We had two huge calls and thought we were, we were going to do really well. I mean, we still did well, but I thought we were going to win it that day you know and the jack daniels we were really close and thought we were going to win one of those one year and uh so my heart was kind of blowing out my ears there at the last second until he said from owasso oklahoma and you know and from that point forward i don't remember hell it was a crazy celebration <laughs> jumping up and down kicking screaming shitting throwing you know it was nuts what uh in the annals of wins for little pig town uh where does this one rank for you guys as a team this is this is the best win i've ever had really not only because of yeah because of you know sterling ball and how passionate he is about the foundation that this competition is raising money for that casey lee ball foundation you know all my buddies are there got all the best cooks in one location you know it's just a, a a really a really big win to put my you know i'm still even having a hard time putting my head around this win. It's it's one of those kind of wins that you always see everybody else take down, and, you know, I finally got one. Is it really an event when you go to it that you want to win, or is it the one you don't want to finish last at? Yeah, it's one of the – it's both. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a single one of us in that damn 24 bunch out there that doesn't want to win that thing. We're all competitors. We've all, we're all out there to win it. But at the same time, you don't want to be the, you know, you don't want to be the guy that finishes last and you, you know, you certainly want to be able to, to do your best. But at the same time, you know, I'm always there to win. But if I could have just got one of those drums and brought home, you know, after that third place chicken call, I was pretty elated with that. And then it just, you know, it just got better from there for me. So, are you surprised to see uh, Johnny Trigg bringing up the, the tail end of this contest? I mean, he's been doing it for so long, and I, I know there's a lot of uh, rightfully earned reveredness that uh, takes place around him. But, I mean, when I was reviewing overall, I, I have to say, I mean, and who knows who's going to end up at the end, but I, I have to say I was surprised to see that he was at the bottom. Yeah, I was too. But, unfortunately, in that group of guys, there's got to be somebody who's going to fall down there, you know, and you would certainly think that, Johnny, you know, being the godfather of barbecue, you, you would love to see him be at the top every time he cooks. But it just didn't work out for him this weekend. But it's certainly not a – it's not a – he said the bottom of the pack that week, but he certainly didn't 
And it's still a huge honor just to be a part of that weekend. Hey, Scott, guess what? Better him than you. Yeah, right? right. You're damn right. Uh, so in regards to this season, uh, obviously this is going to be the last one uh, that you're going to be doing. Uh, how do you kind of evaluate the 2015 season for the team? Yeah, this is kind of horseshit, by the way. I get my karma at the end of the year when it's all over. What kind of deal is that, dude? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to have a great 2016, brother, man. <laughs> you got to look at it the well, right we way. I had a, we had a great year. We, we cooked a lot of tough competitions. We had been uh, – Oklahoma has got just some brutally good cooks here. We got the, yeah. Travis Clark, who's number one in the country. Dave Green, number two in the country. We got Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue, who's here. He just rips it up every other weekend. Just a rough crowd to cook in. So I had a lot of – you know, I won a couple, and I had a couple of, of reserve grand finishes and some thirds as well. But it was a great – a great year of competing. We could work really well, and, and I was happy with the with the turnout. Uh, next year, are you planning on doing your uh, typical amount? Or are you going to do more or going to do less? So we left, me and my wife and daughter have talked about it. We do this as a team, and, and I'm actually stunned that she even still wants to be a part of this. My little girl is 16 this year, <laughs> and uh, we've left it up to her. If, if she wants to go, we go. If she doesn't want to go, we don't go. And up until now, she's wanted to go, so... This, next, this upcoming year is going to be the same thing. If she wants to uh, go cook some competitions, we'll go cook some competitions. You know? Does she, uh, and forgive me for asking uh, and showing my ass here, but like, is she an integral part of the, the cooking team process, or is she just like, I want to go cook, and she just kind of hangs out? So she's like the queen of bullshitting. She loves to run around and talk to everybody <laughs> and hang out. She runs around with all the girls and hangs out with all the different people's wives and their kids and yeah. Amela from Snake River. She runs around with her and, you know, it's just, she knows so many people and so many of these events that she just, I think she just loves to just chat with people. So she doesn't, as far as helping the team itself, no, she doesn't do a whole lot. She sleeps in until about 10, 10.30. She gets out of bed and looks around. She doesn't do a, a whole lot as far as the cooking part goes, but that's a girl. You know, how, you know how the girls are most of the time. Yeah, I got one that's 14, so, like, uh, you know, I'm surprised that she even wants to, like, you know, be around you guys and, you know, do. But, you know, social butterflies uh, will be what they will be, and, uh, you know, it's it's great that you guys are actually out there as a family hitting the road and, and she wants to be with you guys. So that's kind of like a, a win all by itself uh, during the season when you're doing it. Uh, Scott, yeah, it's, really cool. it's really cool that she gets to run around with all those people. There's a lot of great, lot of great women she gets to, you know set role models kind of things to her too. So it's really cool. Yeah. She gets to be around such, there's so many great people in barbecue that you can't run across a, a, a better group of people. If you're going to have a kid grow up in, and I'm lucky enough that I've been able to raise her around all of this. You know, we're really kind of blessed to be able to do this like this. Absolutely. Um, Scott, let me ask you this last question here before I let you go and appreciate the time tonight. You know, when you started doing this, how long have you been competing now? I think we cooked our first one in 2008. All right, so, you know, well into, you know, almost uh, eight years now. Um, what did you used to do then that there's no way in hell you would ever do now? Oh, my Lord. So one of the things we used to do a whole lot of back in the day when it first started was we run a, a lot of, uh, I mean, we used to just turn in this hellacious glob of pulled pork in the middle of our box our pork turn is and it's pork has gotten so it's changed so much over the years that you yeah. can't you can't get away with that anymore at all so that would be the 
only thing I can think of off the top of my head. Were you using, um, you know, my, my mind tends to go right to the fact that, you know, it seems that the competitor has really become a, a specialized uh, person in the fact that it's Wagyu beef and it's cage-free farm-fresh chicken and it's, you know, this kind of pork and that kind of rib. You know, back uh, 8 and 10, 12 years ago, it seemed to be whatever you could get that was kind of uniformed and big at Sam's or BJ's or, you know, wherever, Costco's, that's what you were going to be running with. And now it's all like super high-end stuff. Um, and I think it, it's cost some teams the ability to, to feel like they're able to, to compete to a certain degree. Um, you weren't using any of that stuff back, you know, eight, nine years ago, right? No, I used uh, Snake River Farms. I've used that brisket for ever. I've used it since probably 2009. Really? I started buying from them. Wow. But I still, to this day, I don't use any of the specialty pork. So I use smart chicken from a local store here, and I use IBT pork from Sam's Warehouse. You can believe that. And their, and their ribs. I use IBP ribs, too. We cook, We got the luxury of cooking compact ribs this weekend in pork, so that was kind of nice. I've cooked it a few other times, but for the most part, most competitions, you know, my Tuesday ritual is run to Sam's, get pork, get ribs, go to Reese's and get chicken. And then Nella ships me in some Snake River brisket, and I cut that up, and we go. Scott Key is the grand champ of the 2015 King of the Smokers, and a well-deserved one at that. Uh, Scott, really appreciate the time breaking it down tonight, and we'll talk again soon, man. Greg, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you got it. There he is. Scott Key, Little Pig Town. They win. Uh, I mean, they win a lot in general. Um, but winning King of the Smokers, as he said, uh, certainly a, a crowning achievement of 2015. Folks, let me talk to you quickly about Butcher Barbecue. Holy moly. First of all, race over there right now and hook up with the grilling oils. Want to add a little f- flavor to whatever you're cooking? It doesn't have to be just on the grill because, as I've said before any number of times, the grilling oils are great in the fact that it's shelf-stable. What does that mean? Well, in other words, uh, parquet or the blue bottle, whatever you want to call it, you're getting it out of the free, out of the refrigerator section at the grocery store. You get it home. Maybe you use it and you put it back in the refrigerator at home because if you don't, it's going to go bad or it can't stay out for that long before it starts to go bad. Grilling oil is the exact opposite of that. So, I mean, you're getting, like, the benefit. You're getting a perceived benefit with the parquet crap. But there's real benefit with the grilling oils. And to me, and it has been proven out time and time again, especially like with the ribs, you know, there is a completely noticeable texture difference. A difference to the benefit, not to the negative that you get with parquet. And I think if you do a, a side-by-side rib test with the grilling oils on ribs and uh, the squeeze blue on another rack, uh, you can tell right off the bat something is better with the grilling oil. Nevertheless, let me get back on track. Shelf stable. So when you're done using it on the grill, right, then you can bring it inside. You set it right next to the stove. Because maybe a little bit later in the evening, you're going to be making like brownies and you want to add a little butter flavor to the brownies. So you squeeze and you just leave it right there. And then one for me, if it's within eyesight and it's out, it's there, I'm going to use it. As soon as it gets put in the refrigerator, I might never use it again. Might not ever think about using it again. If it goes in a 
drawer or up in a cabinet somewhere. I have to go up there for a reason to get If it's just out there, there's a very good chance I'm going to continue to use it, and that's why I like the grilling oils. I spent an inordinate amount of time talking about grilling oils this evening. But I believe in them that much. I think they're that good. I believe somewhere in the chat Dave said that there might be four more flavors coming. What? Dave, confirm that before you leave the seat. Of course, the normal products, all the injections, the bird boosters, the sweet barbecue sauce, which I love, the honey barbecue sauce, which I love. They have steak and brisket rub as well. Don't worry about breaking the bank when it comes to shipping all reasonable stuff. I always recommend buying over $200 worth of stuff because it's free flavor. Oh, sorry, four flavors of rubs. By the way, I love Dave's rubs. It doesn't matter. It's all here. Use the grilling oil on your ribs or your pork butt as an adherent, and then rub on top of it. Who's helping you out? Butcher's helping you out, and I'm helping you out. Anyway, do this quickly before he sells out before Christmas. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up now. Again, ButcherBBQ.com. The trade-in link is up there as well. Click on that and find out about it. We're back to wrap up the oh. Butcher's Barbecue, always trust your butcher. We're back to wrap up this show. Stick around, be right back. Hi, this is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, all right. We're back. Thanks again to Scott Key from Little Pig Town. Always enjoy catching up with him, and it's been a minute, too. Sorry about that, Scotty. Big win for him. Great recap. Appreciate that. Appreciate you folks hanging with me as we're a little bit over. Apologize to uh, Kevin Bevington on that. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up here right now. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with a Hall of Famer, a multiple-time author, a cooking class instructor, a TV show host, and a third Tuesday guest of this show, Stephen Reichlin, who, by the way, gave us an exclusive uh, one-up shot on the mock-up of his book. Yeah. Then we talked with the official Texas correspondent of the Barbecue Central show, Doug Scheiding, catching us up with the 2015 happenings of barbecue, recapping the three sanctioning bodies and their uh, teams of the year winners, and a little preview of 2016 for uh, the state itself and for Doug's team. Then in the second hour, we talked... With Bill Carew from KarubaQ, KBQ.us, KBQ, Kilo Brava Quebec.us. Check out his website and his uh, uniquely set up smoker. There's actually one for the people that are, I don't know if they're hating, but very skeptical. There's a guy uh, in Middlefield, Ohio, which is Amish country about an hour away from me. He has one. I have his contact information. I'm going to go down after he's got uh, a few handful of cooks underneath. And I will take video and pictures and report back on how the metal looks. You people are so worried. The delicate genius. Uh, thanks to Bill Carew for uh, coming up. Appreciate it. 
Also, uh, thanks to, again, Scott Key from Little Big Town. Very, very excited, still excited about the big win at King of the Smokers as well as he should be. We got a big show already. I can tell you this, Sam Zion will be back next week. It's been a quick, hot second since we've talked with him. September 11, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.